you should never stop learning, right? Like even when, you know, you're a decade more into your career, there's still things to learn. Things are changing all the time. There's still like new people that you'll come across who you can learn from. They don't always have to be people who are, you know, more experienced than you either. If you stay curious, I don't think that you will stagnate, which is, which is great. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design inside projects for motivated creators. I'm Femke. And I'm Charlie. And we have been making this show for a long time. It's followed us throughout our careers for many years. And today in this episode, we want to talk about how our approach to learning in our careers, um, learning design, learning the like soft skills needed for our roles has changed as our careers have progressed. Um, uh, if you wanted to go back and listen to old episodes, you can probably hear about what we were doing back then versus what we're doing now in the more recent episodes. But to save you that hassle, we're just going to talk about it, do a bit of a comparison and talk about how things have changed for us, the types of learning we seek out now and what we recommend as well as you go through your career. But first though, Femme, how is life? And I bet that your answer is going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, my course is launching in three days as of recording Woo-hoo. this episode. So yes, busy was a good guess. Uh, I'm very, very close like to being ready for the course launch. I just have a few sort of polishing and finishing tasks to do to get it ready for students on Monday. But so excited. I can't believe it's finally here. Like it's something I've been working on for so long. I'm kind of, I don't know. I feel like either I would either be like super stressed in this moment or really excited. And I'm mostly really excited, which I think is a good sign because I'm just like relieved a little bit that finally it's here, you know, and I'm going to be on the other side. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I also spoke at a conference earlier this week at Vancouver UX Awards, which was my first time being on a stage, Charlie, in like four years. It was so bizarre. Like it's so different talking into a Zoom screen and then talking like on a stage with lights on you. Uh, But it was so much fun. Lots of folks came to say hi, which was really nice. And just cool to like be in a conference room again and like connect with people and have real conversations. Definitely miss that. Didn't realize how much I missed that, but it was a, Mm. it was a really good night. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's like seeing you go to that conference and then I've also seen a bunch of people I really admire in the design industry are at this event in Brooklyn this week called Kinference mm-hmm. which I've never heard of and seems to be some sort of like invite only type of deal because I like couldn't even find a website oh that makes sense okay but it's got me craving that like in-person connection thing again as well so I think I might have to yeah try try sequin out yeah how about you how's things going on your end Things are going good. Yeah, I'm back home in Valencia. The last episode, uh, I think I said I was recording from my in-laws house. So it was nice to spend a few weeks in the countryside, but also nice to be home. Um, Got some travel coming up too. So I've got like pretty busy weekends as I'm trying to batch film things. And, you know, work is busy too, because I'm like preparing to be away for two and a half weeks in May, which means I'm out for like the majority of our work time for our May planning so I'm like gotta try to do some in April Mm -hmm. yeah busy but all a very good type of busy 
Yeah, yeah, a very good type of busy. And we were just talking before we started recording about your sort of quarterly goals that you had. I know we're kind of oh, like yeah. Are you going to call me out, Finn? No, not calling you out, but just, you know, <laughs> opening the floor if you wanted to share. And we're at the end of March, so Q1 is over. And I know you had yes. some sticky notes on your wall of things you wanted to achieve this quarter. So if you want to yes. share how it went. <laughs> well, there were four things that I wanted to do in Q1. And I have done one and like 75% of another one. So yeah, I think it's pretty usual for me to overcommit in my side projects. I have zero regrets, but those stickies will be moved over to another quarter instead. Yes. I mean, I think this is good to share because we have such ambitious goals and we don't always make it either, right? Like That is true. You yeah. know, we got to keep going, keep figuring things out. I think it's good to be ambitious and have all these goals. Uh, so yeah. How about you? Way. How did your Q1 go? Did you, oh. like, I don't know if you made stickies, but any metaphorical stickies? That no, you I mean the course, that was it really. My focus was how can I get this course out the door? So that's really been my major priority. And I haven't really posted on YouTube at all this year. I think I've done one video, which... You know, in the past, I've been pretty consistent at uploading mm -hmm. and I've just had to be okay with that because I just knew I wouldn't be able to prioritize YouTube and creating a course. So now that the course is, you know, coming up, I'm hoping to get back into YouTube a little bit in the next quarter. So that's that's the goal, the refocus. Yeah, with filming your course videos, I'm sure you were filming quite enough. <laughs> I felt like I was, you know, I was making videos, just not putting them on YouTube. <laughs> oh, well. Well, okay, let's get into talking about learning. I'm curious to know what it looks like for you now, Fem, in your new role, not so new anymore, I guess, as a design manager. What sort of things have you been focusing on learning and how have you been learning them? Yeah, great question. So I do feel lucky that when I joined Gusto, there was some leadership training offered, which I was really appreciative of because also being someone new into management, I wanted that guidance, right? Like how, how do I do this job? <laughs> so that's been really great that there's been some learning, some education, some sort of courses really uh, offered internally at my company around uh, specifically, Gusto's really passionate about situational leadership, which is sort of around like identifying what your report like best needs or like meeting them where they are and how you can best help them. And so that's been really helpful to have that available internally. But I'm trying to mix it up and balance it with some external learning as well. And I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'm currently a fellow at on deck design who actually recently rebranded to coho uh, and they have some like fellowship learning programs and tracks and one of the tracks they have is around design management and design leadership which i'm planning to start next quarter so i'm really excited to sort of continue that external learning through that program and sort of connect with other design managers from different companies right and sort of learn from them as well so those are kind of the two things I've been doing since I got this role. It really sounds like you've been seeking out more like structured learning in this new role. Yeah. Like where it's like something that takes you through, like these are the things that you need to know. Um, and like, you know, it's presented in that way, which is quite different from, I don't know. Like, like self-paced learning Googling or something. things. Yeah. yeah self-paced. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, and 
that is really interesting to hear you say that because I feel like I did the exact same thing when I moved into a management role. Mm-hmm. I took a series of courses by Lara Hogan, I think is her name. Um, I think it was called Demystifying Management. Yeah, yeah. Her name is familiar. Yeah. They were really great and they gave me an introduction to like the differences between coaching and mentoring and like operating as a manager. It wasn't specific to my company, but I do feel like it really set me up for like just understanding what the heck a manager was supposed to do and how they were supposed to show up for direct reports and a bit of an introduction to having difficult conversations as well. I read a lot of management books as well when I was first getting started, really seeking out that like, okay, someone who is an expert in this has put their advice in one place and I'm going to learn from it. Now that I'm a few years in, I find myself learning more through coaching. Um, I have group coaching sessions every second week with a few of the other managers at the company. And that's really, you know, useful. We have an external coach who can help guide us through situations and we can ask for advice from. Um, I also just find myself learning from peers a lot at this stage, just getting really curious about what they're doing, uh, whether it's peers outside the company or just watching how other managers within ConvertKit operate um, and like hearing about their philosophies. And I, I don't know about you, but I sense that this is a, like a transition we make as we uh, overcome, what is it like being a newbie, I guess, Mm. in something. Mm -hmm. When you're new, you seek out the more like structured stuff. And then as you like ease into it and you start to have your own opinion and your own way of doing things, it gets a little bit looser and it's more like um, situational where you want specific advice about something you're dealing with rather than something general. Because when you're new, maybe you haven't dealt with that yet, so you can't ask for the specific advice. Um, yeah, I don't know. Does that ring true for you? you I think that's fair. It's first about like, okay, how can I learn the fundamentals or the basics, which for me, yeah, I prefer in that more sort of structured way. And then it's like, okay, now I need to apply this to myself or my situation or my team or whatever. And I think that's, yeah, where it maybe gets a bit more free form or more self-paced. Uh, and I, it sounds like both of us, enjoy learning with others too right like you have your coaching Mm. sessions uh i uh, am part of this coho sort of fellowship community and so i think that also is a nice way in that second phase to like try things out have conversations about it with other people learn um so that's been really really helpful for me as well i think something i'm trying to Something that I guess has like fallen by the wayside for me a little bit is more like the craft learning. Like right now I'm really interested in what it could, like what it takes to build something like a Figma plugin or something, like something a bit more Mm. like craft focused. And I'm trying to figure out how do I learn that? Like, is there a course for that? Do I just have to like read the Figma documentation and figure it out? And I think where I'm at right now with my workload and trying to balance everything I do like the structured like okay I've got a one hour you know session today where I'm gonna learn this thing maybe it's a it's a video or a course or something so trying to figure out if there's a way I could learn in that sort of capacity rather than self-paced because I know I'm gonna struggle to make the time for it Mm, yep that is a challenge I've been thinking about this recently too about craft Uh, I I definitely went through a similar phase of like the structured learning to the more free form when I was first becoming a designer too and first like working as a professional. Even outside of university, um, when I got into my first jobs in the industry, I was seeking out courses that I could take, um, specific workshops I could attend, that sort of thing. 
more structured and as time went on i was more interested in just looking at what other people were doing and like you know learning from there i find myself wanting to almost go back to some structured learning for my craft because i feel like i've gotten a little bit late <laughs> with my design abilities honestly i don't spend as much hands-on time designing anymore so there's like less opportunities to you know continue to practice um, right. throughout my job and i also think that technology has come a long way since i last did any sort of structured learning about best practices and things like that i've sort of been figuring out my own best practices <laughs> ever since then yep <laughs> and i think i would be really interested in taking um I don't know if it would be like shift nudge or one of the dive mm. courses even from some of the craft focus ones that are part of um what, what would you call of him is it like a community like a collective of, collective that's a good word yeah of courses that yours is a part of um i think that'd be really good for me at this stage to like stay attached to my design roots there's obviously still a lot more management and strategy type of things i want to learn too but um, yeah, I don't want to lose the craft side just because I'm a manager now. Yeah, I definitely hear that for sure. Do you feel like you're the kind of person who's like, maybe proactively you have a particular skill or like part of craft you want to learn and then later on you figure out how to apply it to your workflow? Or are you more the other way around where it's like, oh, I know I could be more efficient or like I want to figure out a way to do this thing better, like then seek out specifically how to improve that part of your workflow or like how to improve that area of your craft. Definitely more like the latter. I yeah. think that I find it really hard to learn if I don't have a use case right. for it or like a specific need. It's like, how do I, you know, encourage myself to make the time for <laughs> yeah. it or get motivated if there's no like result at the end. But if the result is, oh, I can... I don't know, use auto layout faster without clicking through all of the options <laughs> to figure yeah. out what it is I want. Um, or I can like make quicker design decisions because I've got like the frameworks in mind for the design thinking I'm naturally doing, but like understanding the frameworks helps you mm -hmm. to go through it faster. Um, yeah, that that's what it is for me. Is it the same for you? Yeah, definitely. It's more like, oh, I am coming up against a wall in my design process or I'm like, oh, this is taking so long. I know there's more efficient ways to do this or seeing how other people have solved a similar problem. Uh, that definitely motivates me to figure out, okay, how can I do this better or more efficiently? Or how can I improve this area of my craft is definitely more motivating for me than like, oh, that looks like an interesting skill. Maybe I'll try to learn that and then figure out how to apply it. Yeah, I think that that's what I did a lot of early in my career because I was just naturally curious about everything and just so excited about design. Not that I'm not now, but now I guess I'm a little bit more practical about how I'm going to spend my time. Mm -hmm. um, whereas when I was, you know, early on, I just wanted to soak in anything and everything. And I think that was a really good approach then, honestly, because it allowed me to try a bunch of stuff out and take inspiration from lots of different sources. But yeah, I'm a little more focused now. Yeah. How do you feel about conferences? Because I know they historically have been a really great learning opportunity or maybe you come to be inspired. I know the world of conferences has been a little bit different in the last few years for sure. Are they things you still try to seek out? Like, is that an area where you see, oh yeah, this is a good like learning opportunity or maybe you'll prioritize a conference or two that's like in a specific domain or topic area you really care about? Or yeah, what's kind of your, your latest opinion on those? Yeah, I mean, earlier in my career, conferences were 
that was mostly about the talks. I would listen and just try and like take notes about everything to like really take on what the speakers were saying. And as I got later in my career, listening to talks was more about being inspired or like seeing how other people do something. And I would still take notes of things that like sparked an idea in my head, mm -hmm. but not necessarily like feel like I had to learn every single thing that the speaker was talking about. Um, I don't know. I These days conferences are more about the people, other people who are gonna be there yeah. than about the talks themselves. Although obviously great talks attract great people usually. And yes. so um, <laughs> that is still an important part of a conference. But uh, yeah, this conference one that I mentioned, there was some cool, I saw people taking pictures of talks and I'm like, oh, that seems interesting. But what was more interesting to me was like all the people who were there and I was like, uh -huh, damn, uh -huh. I would have loved to like, <laughs> have a conversation with those folks. Like that seems like a really inspiring environment to be in yeah. just to learn, um, yeah, learn from them and, and what, what inspires them as well. So yeah, fan of conferences, haven't been seeking them out recently mm -hmm. because I, I don't know, because the, that connection side of things is a more important part of a conference to me. Having that online just isn't is it the, the same. same. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. I also value the connection a lot. And it wasn't a conference, but probably one of the most valuable things I invested in in my career so far is the Within Retreat that I went to. Mm. That was like a five-day in-person design leadership retreat in Arizona with a group of maybe 50 to 70, I think, women. So it was for, for women as well. And I still think back to the things I learned there. It still resonates with me. And I don't know what it was about it that made it so sticky. Like the fact that it was in person, maybe because it was multi-day. It was a mix of like talks and practical workshops, small group settings. Like that has stuck with me more than any sort of conference or webinar or anything I've ever been to. And have not been back to something like that. I think there was a one-off mm. sort of special thing for me and I would love to, to reinvest in something like that at some point. That just makes me think of my version of that, which was Epicurrence. Yeah. Was, I think it was called Epic Unknown, the one, this one that I'm talking about. We were staying in the Smoky Mountains in these like glamping tents, really small group of folks. And it was specifically a design leadership event mm -hmm. um and that as well had a really big impact on me and i i couldn't tell you a single name of the like panel topic that we were listening <laughs> to or whatever but um just the conversations and you know the insights that came from hearing people talk about their experiences had a huge impact i wonder if because we've both referenced situations tell me if this was true for within where you were like staying on site mm. You know, yeah. like where you're all in this space together. You're all in. Yeah, you're all in. No one's disappearing back to their like hotel room across the city. Yeah. To like, I don't know, go meet up with their own non-conference friends that evening. Right. It's sort of like you're here in this environment. So you invest time in the schedule that's on and the people who are also attending. Totally. And I think because it's also multi-day is like you you prioritize it. Like you adjust your schedule to be like, I'm yep. not like trying to squeeze in work meetings throughout the day or like, yes. I'm not context switching and going to do something else in the evening. Like you, you are fully present there the whole time. And I think that creates a great learning environment and a great connection environment to your point of like really connecting with the other people there and not like going off to hang out with you know, someone else outside yep. of the event. 
Yeah. Um, I would say, like, if anyone has an opportunity to go to something like this, usually they are a lot more expensive as yes. an event <laughs> than a regular conference where you show up at the conference hall and, you know, there's, like, hundreds, thousands of other people there. But I think that one of those types of in-person events can be worth, like, five totally other types of conferences maybe even more i don't know but i don't think the ticket is five times more expensive is what i'm saying so like it's worth it yeah yeah and even if you just do it once i think the long-term impact that it can have on you at least for me like i'm still thinking about things i learned there four five years maybe later which is pretty impactful yeah that's very impactful with that though i would say you got to trust the people who are putting it on. 100%. Yours was put on by design department. Yeah. Um, Mine was put on by Dan Petty, who is, you know, someone I Good reputation. Yeah. Yeah, great reputation. And I don't know. Yeah, just be careful. Not every um, retreat style thing will be this valuable. Um, Just a warning. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, do your your due diligence. Do your research. Do your research. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. How often do you find yourself intentionally seeking out learning during a given week is it something where you're like i've got in the back of my head i want to do this craft thing like you said like build a plugin so like maybe i'll set aside a month where that's what i focus on or is there other things that come up more often that you intentionally seek out i think it's a bit more spontaneous than intentional if i mm-hmm. try to reflect like usually it goes something like okay i i have a task i need to do i got to do this thing mm-hmm. i start doing it And then I'm like, okay, either I'm getting stuck or I'm like, this could be done differently or or better. Or I'm sure someone else has thought about this or solved this problem before. And so then I'll start to like research and try to like pull in different inspirations. And then that'll influence what I'm trying to do. And there might be a a craft learning component to that of like figuring out, okay, how do I do this to actually make it make it how I want want it to be? So my process is more like that. It's less intentional of like, okay, what am I going to learn this week? Or like, what what is one thing I want to teach myself? It's definitely more situational and in the moment. I can resonate with that a lot, especially the, surely someone else must have solved this problem already and like seeking out ways that that happened. But I think one, maybe like one layer of spontaneity more is just being curious about the things that you see. Right. Like, I think the internet is just fantastic these days with how transparent a lot of people are on it. Like people sharing a breakdown. Um, I don't know, the other day I read a thread of some conversion rate tests that someone had done. And it was like all of the changes they made in the specific like impact mm. that had on conversion rate at various points of the funnel. And that sort of thing, I just like soak up like a sponge. I find it so fascinating. Even if it's like a totally different industry or like website type and I can't directly apply it to my work, it can still spark ideas of things that I could do differently or like ways I could approach doing conversion rate tests. And so I like to just try and stay curious always and take on learning opportunities like that. When someone is sharing, here's work I've done and here's how it went. I always want to be able to learn from that. Yeah, I'm surprised that we've gotten this far into this episode and not mentioned side projects as a way to <laughs> to learn. And I'm curious because you recently did the Scribbles sort of uh, your Fig- Figma community file. Was there any learning in that process of creating so that project? <laughs> yeah, like tell tell us more about how that went for you. Yeah, that for me, like I said, I before I can be a little bit lazy with 
learning the tools and like improving uh-huh, the craft uh-huh. and setting up a design system essentially in in figma for that component library i was like okay i want to learn how to like properly do components and variants in a way that's useful for people and how are other people doing it um learned a lot from that that i've already this week been applying to setting up a new illustration system in our um, component library for ConvertKit, and so yeah that was great it was good practice of using Mm -hmm. the tools that i didn't get a lot of opportunity to um, in my day-to-day work before for sure yeah i i mean I'm sure you can agree. I've learned so much in side projects. Like recently for my uh, course creation process, I started using a new tool called, or new for me, a tool called Descript. And I had to do quite a bit of like YouTube tutorials to figure out, wait, how do I use this tool? And like, I had a very specific thing I was trying to do and really trying to figure out how do I do this thing? Like reading their help center. I eventually joined their discord community and like asked questions in there and people were helping me out. So there was like that learning curve as well, which you know came about through a side project. And now I'm like, I love Descript and I feel so confident in it and I love using it as a tool. And so, yeah, I think there's always like those hidden opportunities and side projects to, to learn something new. Another great thing that comes from doing something like what you've done with Make This Course is... Um, like when you try and teach others, it forces you to clarify your own thinking. Oh, 100%. Right? It's like, well, what is my approach? Like, I know I'm doing it naturally, mm-hmm. but like what specifically is involved in that? When you start writing it down, you can start to see inefficiencies or like, oh, well, here's how I can make this bit stronger. So yeah, I think that the teaching that you do, and I definitely find this as well, helps me to improve my process because I'm thinking like oh if I told someone else that this is how I do it it would not make sense like maybe I should change how I do it (laughs) yeah I know what you mean like teaching really gives you that unique opportunity to distill your process or your workflow or Mm -hmm. like articulate it in a in an easy to understand way in a teaching way so that's always a really great skill to have I would say one thing to sum up this episode would be that you should never stop learning right like even when you know you're a decade more into your career there's still things to learn things are changing all the time there's still like new people that you'll come across who you can learn from they don't always have to be people who are you know more experienced than Mm -hmm. you either um they're just like if there's someone that you're interested in who's doing cool work you can learn from them and um, if you stay curious i don't think that you will stagnate which is which is great yeah and technology is always changing you know there's always something new out there new opportunities new ways to improve your workflow and so i agree the learning never stops um you just saying that then fem made me realize i really should learn more about ai i don't (laughs) want to but i feel like i should Oh, yeah. I saw someone, maybe we can find the tweet to this. Somebody tweeted that they had created a Figma plugin that uses ChatGPT to pre-fill out dummy content. Yeah. And like they basically typed in like, oh, imagine there's like three friends having a conversation about where they should go out for dinner on Friday night. And then it just spat out this design with like this conversation between friends and like profile pictures and chat bubbles. And I was like wow this is powerful i need to figure out is how that what made you this. want to learn how to make a plugin yes i was like i need to figure out how to do this <laughs> and i was thinking how can i where are there opportunities like in my work where i could like 
do stuff like this and utilize this creative technology, which is clearly so powerful and I don't think is going away anytime soon. So yeah, lots of opportunity. Lots of things to learn. Well, this is fun to talk about. Um, I don't know if we've done an education episode like this for a while. And like I said, if we go back to the beginning, we talked a lot about <laughs> it then. Um, but we are still learning, even if we're not always talking about it on the podcast. For sure. And where can people go to hear more of those episodes? Well, you can head to designlife.fm, but I do not recommend going back too far, honestly. <laughs> I just, I don't know. They say if you're not embarrassed by your old work, then you're not growing. So I guess it's a good thing. Oh, that, that is a good tip. Yeah, we should probably also update if you go to our episodes page on our website, the two highlighted episodes we have are from 2017 and 2018. So it oh. might be time to update those. <laughs> yeah, we'll pick out some new um, highlight episodes for you to get started with. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And if you have a topic request, you can always tweet us at designlife.fm or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please send in your topic requests. Good chat, fam. Yeah, chat next time. See you next time. Bye.